so we make okay. some pretty harsh jokes sometimes. No, we, so we we're can, not trying to. I, <laughs> yeah. I can I can read the room when it's serious. I could be serious, but he can't. He can't even read books. Welcome to You Are the Host, the podcast where you are the host, and by you I mean Jenny. How is it going? How's it going? It's going. And <laughs> Hi. again, I'm out. I think my phone just went off. It's fine. That's how I'm going to start every podcast forever now. Last episode, my phone went off too. So you can see we're not professional. So no, we're but terribly unprofessional. It actually puts me at ease. So thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. All of the all the people who listen to this podcast, they're definitely only here for the people we bring on because if they hear either of us, they're like these idiots. Yeah. So that's they, what always happens. They they like the guests more. We we know that, so it's fine. Yeah, the, the host. And you really you legitimately are hosting this episode. I was yeah. just about to say that to to Emily and stuff because it's the gimmick that the guest is the host, but you're actually the host now. You're hosting the video call and everything. So this is true. Yeah, yeah. man. Like mm-hmm. certified host. Like full circle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, so I want to get um, I want to get this out of the way. Introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about well, whatever you want, really. What you do ho- it can be hobbies, could be work, whatever describes okay. you. Oh, good question. Um, so my name is Jenny Bradelich. Um, I use she/her pronouns, um, and I am uh, currently. Um, I have many roles currently. Um, I work for a small nonprofit uh, called Amazeworks. You might want to bleep that, right? Is that some of the? Unless you're going to say something that's incriminating thing. them. <laughs> no, it's up no. to you if you want me to like it or not. Yeah, we, we can bleep it out. <laughs> Okay. All right. Um, Anyway, so we do, um, I mean, the best way that I can describe what we do at Amazeworks is we, um, we help teachers and educators and um, workplaces create cultures of belonging. Um, And so what, uh, what that means is uh, multiple things, and perhaps we'll get into that a bit later. Um, But ultimately, uh, yeah, we just uh, recognize that people learn better and work better and live better when they experience belonging. And so we come alongside um, as many folks as possible to help create a culture where that is possible. So it's like you're trying to cut out that, um, I don't want to say hostility, but like, obviously, we all know in today's age, there's a lot of tension between different cultures and races or whatever Mm -hmm. it may be. So like you're there to ease these students and kids and all that, when they go in an environment like that, they don't feel like they're the odd man out. That they're supposed to be included. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. This will be really good yeah. for Jake because so he's been canceled on this podcast before for being a little <laughs> racist. Right? So it's uh. there, cancel culture, right? That's yeah. a real thing. Yeah. Hey. It's it's just because I'm from the south. <laughs> that's a, and that's a joke. He told a joke that his friend told, and then he got in trouble for it. So did I really get in trouble for that? Ah, <laughs> uh, people on Twitter. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, I still got my Just job, so I guess Twitter. that's good. Yeah, that's a good yeah. rule of thumb, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, um, yeah. oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, you you keep keep describing yourself. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's what I do. Um, that's what I do for work right now. Um, I uh, I'm a mother. Um, I have three children, and so um, my other full time job is uh, trying to do that as best as possible without. Um, causing too much damage in their um, young brains and lives. Um, it's almost impossible. Really, really easy like, to do. Yep. Yeah, it's almost impossible, yeah, it seems right. like, in today's <laughs> world. 
or in my childhood or several other people I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's a it's a real thing, and it's uh, beautiful and wonderful and uh, terrifying all at the same time. <laughs> um, great. Okay. Um, yeah, so I am um, that. I am a yoga instructor, <clears throat> oh. and uh, I, I teach uh, prenatal yoga mostly. So I, I teach yoga to people who are um, in that, that part of life where they are becoming parents. Um, and uh, that has been a very meaningful role for me. Uh, and and I, I'm, I'm as involved as I can be in my kids' school and uh yeah, and, and with my, I, I try to have a self as well uh, with friends and um, other other things that I do. It's so, almost hard to balance yeah. all that in your life, you know. Yeah. But yeah. if you can find yeah. time, that's really good. It's awesome. But yeah, <laughs> I have a I have a question about prenatal yoga. Is okay. that does that include for the dads? Um, not often, but at times it has, and I've tried to do, I've done like workshops where, um, support people, we, we call them support people and they can be of any, um, play any role or have any gender in, um, in a, a, a pregnant person's life. Um, but That's cool. yeah. I was yeah. thinking more like where the, you know, they have those bellies you can wear, like wear one of those and then have you walk them yeah. through a course. So that way they can like understand <laughs> yeah. what it's like. Doing yeah. With kind them. of like put yourself yeah. in the, yeah. In the other person's shoes it's funny who's you, pregnant. Yeah. It's, it's funny you say that I did yoga while, when I was pregnant, but, uh, I, I was not, I did not get trained while I was pregnant. And so in order to do my training, I got to wear a belly again. Oh, which, that sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's the word, but <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Uh, Jake will just take this one from now on. <laughs> what? You'll just take it from now on. You're doing a lot better job than I am. Oh, I'm, I feel like I'm, I guess I'm doing okay. Not a chance that I'll ever keep it serious, so. <laughs> no, we've gotten serious on a couple episodes. I yeah, guess, we but, have, but it's, yeah. it's nice to have a nice serious conversation, though. I'm, I'm really looking forward to whatever topics or topics that you are mm-hmm. going to bring sure. to the table. Um, and yeah. with that being said, I would like to ask, what is on your mind that you want to talk about? I've always um, sort of one of my um, goals in life has been to, you know, I don't know if you ever lived in like in a world in which um, like premarital counseling was a thing, right? Where it was mm-hmm. like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna do this thing, you should probably just like have all of these like conversations about, about marriage and becoming parents uh, for me and my partner was, I was like, why, why aren't there classes for this? <laughs> Seems important. We need, yeah. yeah, we need to have conversations about, about what that how that changes you as an individual, how it changes your partnership, how it changes the, your world. Um, and so I was going to talk about that, um, but, but I can move into the next, my next topic. You can take uh, us on that journey if you want. Yeah, we're all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everyone has some experience with parents, like you said. I mean, right. whether, whether it's, whether it's like, amazing, whether it's us know? being kids with the experience with our parents, or if you're freshly new parents, you know, we all have some kind of... Yeah. Take us on that journey. Okay. Um, well, and I'll just I'll just start by saying, um, for me, my parenting role is um, I'm having a very um, it feels like a very meaningful shift um, in terms of parenting a um, almost freshman in high school. So my oldest is oh. um, 14 and will be starting high school. That's that's a rough um, age. We were all 14 once. <laughs> yeah. 
we were all 14 <laughs> once, right? Yeah. Um, and I have very vivid memories of being 14 and, um, and remember how challenging <laughs> I likely was. Um, and so I, um, yeah, I just, uh, the, from May when we started preparing for her to be done with eighth grade and, uh, into this summer, I'm just realizing that I do not know what I'm doing yet again. I have no idea what I'm doing. But that's like the whole like parent journey. You don't, you just, you just wake up and just wing it every day. I feel like that's a good know, chunk right? of life actually. Yeah, like just like yeah. literally anything. <laughs> I've always I've always been told and this is for my parents too is that you can't prepare to be a parent. Like you can prepare all you want. You can think you're you know, you can try to get financially stable, which is good. You can try to um, you know, have a house and have all that planned out, but you're never prepared to have it because you don't know mm-hmm. what you're getting yourself into. So like my my parents always told me it's like, you know, you can try all you want, you know, you can prepare all you want, you can get all these things done, but you don't know until that moment actually comes and then it's a life-changing moment. And that, right. like you, exactly like you're like, she's, you know, already going ninth grade and you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but that's just part of it. That's just part of, you know, yeah. being a mom, being a parent, being a guardian or whatever it may be. So. And well, at least, right. at least you'll acknowledge that once again, I don't know what I'm doing because there are plenty of parents that don't acknowledge that and then think they're doing a great job when they're not, or maybe vice versa. I don't know. Somehow doing a great job when they think yeah. they're doing terrible. So, right. <laughs> yeah. So that's so. This is my first question as the host um, for you. Okay. Is um can what were like when you look back at your um like as you entered into high school those like formative years of your life when you started pushing against right like naturally we kind of start pushing against boundaries Mm -hmm. we're like exploring independence in a new way um probably relationships in a new way both with with friends and and possibly romantic relationships right like all of this is happening um what were what were some things you, if there are any, um, some things that your your parents or your caretakers um, or the people, adults in your life did during that time that you felt like really set you up for, um, yeah, to like navigate that well? Um, and if there were things that, that they didn't do, what were some of those things maybe that, that you wish you would have done, um, like looking back on it in retrospect, like, I, I wish uh, if I could tell my fourteen-year-old self this. Hmm. This is what I would tell my fourteen-year-old self. I mean, I can I take this one. Can oh, I you, go? You go oh, ahead. I don't yeah. know if I need to get into that. Okay. <laughs> well, so um, growing up, and I'm proud to say this, I wasn't a very, I wasn't very rebellious. I never snuck out. I never went out to do drugs or drink or anything like that. I was a very, and I wasn't the best in school. I mean. A, B, C student, whatever. I could have tried more, but I wasn't the best at school. But I never, like, rebelled against my parents. And I think one thing they did, like you said, to help set me up for adulthood is, like, they were really on to, like, when I was 13, 14, 15, especially, they were giving me more chores and responsibilities, like mowing the yard, mm-hmm. uh, weed trimming, you know, whatever it may be. Um, at the time, my stepfather, he was a welder and an excavator. So, like... During the summer breaks, I would help him. I didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't like it at all. <laughs> but it was one of those things where it teach you like hard work, discipline. You know, if you just do what you're told, you know, do the do a good job and you get rewarded. You know, stuff like that. And that's I was kind of brought up in those kind of a uh, old fashioned morals and backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And 
to be honest, and if I could bring my mom on this podcast, she'll tell you the same thing. I was probably the best child she could ever. And I know every parent says that, but she always tells me that I was the easiest and best child she could. Because I have an older brother, and he was very rebellious. But she mm-hmm. told me that I was the best child she could ever ask for. And, I mean, I'm mm-hmm. not trying to, like, brag or anything, but I think what it was is just the way they set their their um, their their rules, and I obeyed it. And then in return, they respected they. Obviously, they respected me too, but in return, they gave me more freedom because they knew that I would respect it. Like my brother, for instance, his curfew was like, you know, nine, 10 o'clock when he was like 16. Mine was like midnight, you know, because I never stood out that late. You know, I was always home before then, mm-hmm. but they were, they, they gave me, <laughs> the, yeah, it's just part of the thing. They, they yeah, gave you me. Yeah, you are. This is dream child. A, a part of that. I think a part of that's from parents practice on the older one and then that too you know but it's just like i was just a different i guess i was a different child like even like my mom said when i was a kid i just was always just well behaved always kept to myself never really caused any trouble i I don't know maybe it's just how i was who i am i guess but that's one thing they did and i'm very fortunate that they like at the time i hated going out in the hot heat because i'm from kentucky so like mowing the yard, you had to do it at five in the morning or like eight o'clock at night. Because if you went out any time in the middle of the day, it's humid, it's hot, it's a hundred degrees plus. You don't want to be out there mowing the yard. So I hated doing that. Even like every every Saturday morning, I had to get up at five a.m. when all my other friends are sleeping in. You know, because they did all nighters and they're just you know sleeping until twelve o'clock in the <laughs> afternoon. I'm waking up at five a.m. mowing the yard for like an hour and a half, two hours. You know, but now looking back at it, I'm very fortunate that I had parents like that just for the fact that I don't think I'd be who I am today if it wasn't for those goals and those things they set for me back then. And I didn't know it back mm-hmm. then because no one does. But if <laughs> I could go back in time, I would tell myself to do better in school because school was really easy, honestly, and keep mm-hmm. listening to your parents because honestly, I don't think, I think who I am today is because of them. That's a mouthful. Do you feel like, do you feel like watching your older sibling, um, had an impact or what kind of impact do you think watching yeah, your older um that, had that that too um so just briefly real quick um my mom and my biological father they end up splitting up when i was young so growing up in a divorce household was rough and especially mm-hmm. i was five years old when it happened but my brother was mm-hmm. like 13 so he's at that prime mm-hmm. age where he's really right? you know i didn't know what was going on you know i didn't understand it but he did he was old enough to understand what was going on and he acted out a lot from that i mean snuck out i mean there was a couple times he got in trouble with the law and me growing up doing that yeah i did see that and i thought like that's not really you know not a good example obviously but um mm-hmm. he grew what well, once he grew up out of that he ended up becoming a very good very good person he's in the military for the last 15 years he's making a career out of it he's got a wife now two daughters i mean he's mm-hmm. really it, he really straightened up and he's a really good person now obviously but yeah back then he was very rebellious and I was, I looked at that and I'm like, why would you want to do that to yourself to get in trouble and then like get yelled? Like I never understood it, but yeah. Um, mm-hmm. seeing him do some of those things, I realized that that's not the way to do things <laughs> like mm-hmm. sneaking out. You're always going to get caught. You know, you can sneak <laughs> out. You may not get caught the first time, second or third, but you eventually will get caught. And he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe <laughs> you never got caught maybe, but normally, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Sorry, that was a mouthful for we're me. Di- we're different. We came from different places. Yeah. Like, almost similar. Because we both, I didn't even know that your parents were divorced, I guess. Yeah, my but, parents got divorced when I was, um, oh, yeah. when I was like, when I was young. Now and I then, went through two divorces. And then my mom, <laughs> my mom remarried 
to who is my current stepfather. And he basically, I still saw my dad's on the weekend, my dad on the weekends because it was split custody. I lived with my mom, but I would visit him on the weekends. But basically I would say my stepdad was the one that probably raised me for the most part. Cause he saw me more than my own father did just because I lived with my mom and stepdad. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, they were divorced and I saw my, my dad on the weekends and stuff. So, yep. Same. My mom though. Yeah, and I know, I know you you came from a different. Uh, <laughs> so I'm really curious to see what you're going to say about this question about I, you being in high school and 14. I'm really anxious to hear because we're totally different when it comes to this. Wait, you want me to say what I'm going to say? I mean, I'm not going to. I'm not going to give too in depth of an answer. I have too chaotic of a two teenage years to really go over that. But mm-hmm. um, but I would say like, I don't think I actually. <laughs> my dad listens to this podcast. Such so be. Uh, I don't think I learned anything that was that should have been received as a good thing. Mm. But I think mm. that even in negative things I took away some good stuff. Like my dad worked and still works way too much. So he was never there, mm. right? So mm. but I, I took that and I was like, Oh, he's a hard worker. So now I'm a hard worker, which really just means I'm mm. a workaholic. So you can you can phrase it as it's a good thing or it's a bad thing. Who really knows? Um I think I've gotten away from a lot of the things that I learned in my teenagers with my parents and as I became an adult crafted my own mm. own mentality about how I should be doing things because mm. a lot of what I learned as a as a child was there's too many rules so the only way I'm going to be able to do anything ever is by breaking every single one of them and I carry <laughs> that into my adult life and to this day I still break various amounts of laws without ever thinking about the fact that there could be a consequence so yeah but I did I did yeah. learn like I did learn hard work and other various things like that, but so if you uh <laughs> if you could go back and tell your fourteen year old self something about like now looking at your life um and and everything that like your life currently consists of and and potentially like what's happening in in your future and that sort of thing um any anything you would share with your your younger self yep, I would tell my younger self that not everything is is the person's fault not everything they're doing is their fault and so mm. just enjoy your time enjoy your time outside while you can so <laughs> i love that and, and yeah. try to not not hold a grudge against everybody that does something wrong <laughs> unless it's wrong enough but <laughs> sure <laughs> but the little things don't get mad about the little things you know 14 yeah. year old me was mad about everything so Emily's shaking her head no. I don't know why. Oh, oh. so no is agreeing. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. Anyways. Uh, yeah, so that's that. I mean. Yeah, complete complete opposites, but I think that's why we mesh so good together. Because <laughs> we come yeah. from two complete total well, backgrounds. And but... what's strange is I think my love for the main genre of music I listen to correlates to how angry I was, and you don't have that from your childhood i don't think so then i don't know i i I mean we listen your music tastes i mean i listen to it it's a little even some of the stuff is a little heavier for me but i do like i'm i like the hard rock and metal stuff too some of the stuff i'll listen to it because i i'm one for music i think music is really important for somebody whether that's it could be country music or whatever it is but to me music really like helps you escape from the world Mm -hmm. like because like I'm I'm a musician, so I play uh-huh. drums. So like when I listen to music, most people listen to like oh they just hear like the, like oh I like the lyrics or I like this artist. But I'm listening to like 
the music itself, the composure of it, like how it's broken down and like music is language technically, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just, I love listening to music because I'm listening to it and I'm like, wow, okay, so they, they, they did this there. That sounds pretty good, you know? And then like, oh yeah, that, that sounds really good too. And like the way they do their, everything comes together. And I think that it relaxes me to a point because I can just sit there and listen to music all day and be like, sounds, mm-hmm. sounds really good. And it really helps me ease my mm-hmm. mind if I'm like, have high anxiety or something, I can just pop on some music. It may not be music people think is really good for anxiety, like hard screaming rock or metal, but to me, it's very relaxing. (laughs) Some people people wake up at 5 a.m. listening to like easy listening classical music. I wake up at 6 a.m. and I'm throwing on metal in my car as I'm driving to work. But it's just like, it's It's, just people or they have different tastes. But to me, I... It's a vessel for processing whatever emotion or feeling or... Yeah, it is. It's know. just like um, it's just like also um, like video games is a very good like some people think video games is childish. And that's something that I would like to clear up because I know a lot of adults that are like 35, 40 still that still play video games, not the yeah. whole day, but video games yeah. is a way for people to escape from the reality. You know, some people like to put their mind to book and read all day. That's their escape or their hobbies. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, if I have a hard day at work, you know, sometimes I'll go home, play a video game for two or three hours and just escape and just act, you know, just mm-hmm. escape from the world. To me, video games is like music. It's very relaxing, therapeutic, gets you away from the world. But some people view I, um, video games as like childish, I guess. No, I, you know, I'll say Taylor um, has already um, impacted my parenting because we, we had a, a conversation about video games and I have the, my 14 year old and then I have an almost 11 year old um, who very much enjoys video games and I worry about how much <laughs> he enjoys and I remember Taylor you telling me that uh, um, help him find something that he loves as much um, whether that's like getting outside or, um, you know, a, some sport or something like that. And so it has, for me, it's lessened my like fear because I don't think it's childish, right? Like there is something that he is gaining every time he enters that world and he loves it. He recently like designed an entire board game based off of a video oh. game. He was it's, playing. it's very creative, you know, and like that, that's, yeah. that can help people find their artistic part of themselves. Mm. Very creative. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you, Taylor, for yeah. that parenting advice. It's amazing to hear that anything I said helped somebody actually parent. <laughs> <laughs> well, it did. It did. I, I think I to, said that so. because I, because I'm really into backpacking, and so like my mm-hmm. two my two hobbies don't make any sense together. One's sitting inside and playing video games, and the other one is hiking. And so it's yeah, it's if you find something yeah. you love just as much, you'll do it just as much as the other thing. But you can't dedicate all your time to one thing, so then you split it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very good mm-hmm. advice. Well, and yeah. then when you're yeah. an adult, you don't have time to do anything anyway. So <laughs> yeah, when you're an adult, you don't have <laughs> yeah. time to do any of that stuff. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. oh, you're just trying to adult all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. Well, so I was going to say the reason I'm uh, this has been like particularly on my mind is because I uh, we COVID went through our family as it has as it does. <laughs> as this virus does yeah. and i had this moment where um uh like half of the family got it and half the family didn't and it was you know it was terrible timing for um for my oldest and i could not hold it together um because of the impact it had and i was like and this this is just the beginning 
of what might be really hard things <laughs> and um and had yeah this moment of realization of like taking like how do i like how do i stay a self in this how do i not get completely enmeshed in whatever is happening um for for her or the rest of the family who is trying to avoid us i mean we were like we were the monsters of course like you can imagine uh which is very hard to have like half of your house sick and it's <laughs> not um but uh but that was um so that was my next thing is like uh if if you have all of these roles like whatever your roles are whether you're a hard worker or like um the good son or um, or the rebellious one or uh yeah or a parent um or someday going to be a parent or or that sort of thing like what is the like what's core to you that no matter what you are able to like come back to um or, or want to be able to come back to, want to like serve as a reminder to that like core self um, that in those moments where like, where you feel untethered or you feel like the world is like just happening too fast um, that you can come back to um, or that you that you will want to come back to, um, to keep you grounded or um, yeah, alive in a way that maybe feels like the rest of the world is trying to dim or quiet or kill worst you're talking about our zen our zen self the the thing maybe we, yeah, yeah, the, yeah it's like it's like when I you like that it's well it's because it's what people that's why people well i don't want to say that it's why i know of why people meditate because they're like oh yeah i just got my zen which is like uh your whatever what, what's the thing called when you're meditating the word chakra Ch- chakra i don't know whatever they come they come up with a word it's it's a word that or a phrase it doesn't have to be a word Anything you repeat it over and over again. Oh, mantra. 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 Oh, mantra. They come up with their yeah, yeah, mantra, yeah. whatever it might be. That's what I was trying to yeah, say. Yeah. It's our mantra. Yeah. 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 Um, that's uh-huh. what you're asking. Okay. The chakras are a thing too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Um. Yeah. So my mantra. I don't know. I don't know how to answer. You want to answer it first? I I can answer it, but I gotta word it in my head first. So. Uh, no, you go ahead and answer it first, and then okay. Because I'm still thinking about. <laughs> um. What... Whenever like, I guess your question's kind of like in. Like we'll take COVID for an instance, because it was because it was like so uh, hypnotizing for people. Everybody arguing on the internet, everybody talking about this COVID thing, this COVID thing, and then and then the government telling you this COVID thing, whatever. So where where you can go to get away from all that is what you're asking, kind of. Yeah, or or just like where you can go to, um, yeah, like uh, to so so like to trust yourself, to to remind yourself mm-hmm. of like who you are and that you do know what. Like you, you have you have a knowing, um, and so all of the voices of the of the world um, that when when they're coming when you feel like they're coming at you like that like what is the um, how do you how do you get back to yourself to that trusted knowing? Okay. I mean, well, I I can answer it now if you want to. Unless, sure. Well, I you go ahead. Go ahead. Because <laughs> I was thinking about it, but I, th- I think uh, I think I got a good answer. Okay. Um. Well, for me, um, I I hate politics. I, I I don't care like whatever you are, I, it doesn't matter. I don't I don't like talking about it. To me, it as a country, it doesn't matter. So I mean, what do you think of Joe Biden? I don't. <laughs> like I said, I don't. I know that's people, my next topic. <laughs> well, people say like you know your your vote matters. Okay, yeah, okay, to a point, you know, I believe your vote do, your vote does matter, but it's just. The corruption, I, I believe personally, and the 
and the government, to me, yeah, your vote matters. They want you to think that, but in reality, it really doesn't because. So, like, when I hear stuff about politics, like politics, or like, oh, COVID, this you gotta do this, stay away from it. Oh, you gotta get your vaccinations. Oh, you gotta do this. One thing I do, I don't have cable, so I don't look at any news outlets. I literally don't watch anything, local news, CNN, Fox. I don't none of it. The news I get is from people at work or if I come across it on Facebook, which even then it's probably fake because everything is not true on Facebook. Um, So what I do to get myself back is just basically, I don't know if it's healthy or not, but kind of like shut the whole world out for a little bit. I mean, still talk to my friends and stuff, not shut everybody out, but just like the nonsense, all the, the static, the white noise, the stuff that doesn't pertain to me. Like, why do I care that there's a COVID outbreak in New York? Yeah, it sucks, but I mean, like, I don't want it to affect my life somehow, because, like, I I suffer from, I do have, like, high anxiety, and I'm very, I'm a very nervous person, and I do have anxiety, and I will admit that, and I've I've been to therapy a couple times over anxiety. I don't take medication for it, because I don't believe in medication for anxiety for personal reasons. I believe you can get rid of anxiety doing, like, your hobbies or relaxing, whether it be yoga or walking and, you know, backpacking. I believe you can de-stress yourself by doing things you love in a quiet environment, so I don't believe in medication, even though they try to give me medication when I went to the therapy, but I refused it because I didn't think I need it. So like even me being high anxiety and stuff, and I see stuff on the news, like if you just let that roll in your head and make a snowball, you're going to be worrying about everything. You know, like, oh, can I go out to, can I go out in public? Can I go out and eat? Oh, COVID's going to kill me. Like everything's going to kill you, you know, like you got to step back and think about it. So like, I just shut everything out, the nonsense, the white noise, I still talk to my friends. I still talk to my parents and all that, but I just try to shut all the nonsense out. And that really brings me back, especially with me being anxiety. I can't think about it too much or I end up losing sleep over nothing, which sucks. And do you feel like, can you, uh, because sometimes I feel like I'm I'm a fairly anxious person myself, given why which is why i'm nervous for yeah. this conversation and if mm-hmm. you you put me at ease both of you thank you for your oh, uh, that's yeah. the first time i've uh, ever heard that i think yeah. oh <laughs> <Just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> um i haven't felt nervous since we started talking aside from the fact that you know um someday i might hear my voice back and every time you hear your voice back you it's sound, weird right? like, i think it sounds weird when my nope. voice not after you've done enough uh not only podcasts but i did youtube before the podcast so i've heard my voice oh. so many times I, I still think my voice sounds yeah. weird i broke the paradigm you know how you hear your voice differently when you listen to it on recording yeah, yeah i actually hear yeah. my voice that way in real life oh i don't it's messed up weird. yep That's so i no longer hear myself with the fake vibrations from my jaw because my ears are trained to hear my own voice. Yeah, no, I still listen to my voice in this podcast wow. and I, I'm like, oh, that's what I sound like. <laughs> yeah, give it a little more time. Yeah. Do you all, do, do you feel like, so Taylor, do you have a preference for what voice? Like, do you... Uh, uh, yeah, I like my real voice a lot more. A lot more than, than the voice the you voice heard I was hearing, before. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. I, I never heard of someone that can actually hear their own. Well, because people would tell me I have a nice voice and I would never believe them since it sounded different and right. and whatever. And then yeah. now I hear my actual voice. So when somebody says I have a nice it, voice, I'm like, oh, I actually believe them because I can hear my voice. It's so <laughs> weird for me because I sound like I'm fake because I'm from Kentucky, so I do have a southern twang. Put it on a little harder. Yeah, but see, when I, when I, moved, up, <laughs> when I moved up here north, like when I first moved up here, I had that accent, and I felt like I was being judged. But everyone likes southern accents. They all like it, whatever. But I didn't like that attention because me being anxiety and nervous, people were looking at me and they're like, you know, they gave me weird looks. I didn't like it. 
they probably didn't mean yeah. no harm by it. They're probably like, oh, it just sounds different because he's not from around here. You know, they probably didn't mean anything by it. But to me, it just put me on the spot and I felt really, I didn't, I didn't like it. So then I forced myself to have this northern ac- or normal accent, whatever. But every now and then you can hear it come out. And everyone tells me, like, oh, just speak natural, speak natural. And it's like now I'm at the point to where I'm just so scared to, like, actually speak my southern accent. I put on this fake persona. But... <laughs> Like kind of, well, I mean, it, it's there. You know, it comes out every now and then. But I, I, I don't like it. But hmm. so it's like I'm being fake, kind of. So I don't like um, I don't like my voice. Well, you for live that here, reason. so you adapted. Yeah. <laughs> I always feel like my voice. I, I feel like I sound uh, like younger or something. Um, well, that's a good thing, isn't it? Is that what we all well, want? Well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it just, I yeah, maybe. Um, but I, I was going to say, this reminds me of something we, I think we started talking about before we even started recording in terms of like, um, what does it look like to, or no, in, in my intro, what does it look like to, to experience belonging? And like, what parts of yourself do you have to leave at the door or right, in the South so that you can experience, um, you know, a sense of normalcy in the North? Yeah, <laughs> um, it was, it was a big transition. your voice and the way you talk. Yeah. Well, not only the voice part, but like weather and just people in general. Because, you know, in the South, you get the Southern hospitality. And my parents are very old fashioned. So, like, I was raised in a household where, like, the father worked all day, the mom stayed home, cooked dinner, cleaned. You know, the traditional that you would see back from, like, the 60s and 70s and stuff. That's traditional marriage. Obviously, now, today, age, you know, a little different. But, like, I was raised in that environment. So, like, I was raised in a very small community where everyone knew each other. So, like, I would go out in town and I would see at least 10 people that I know, whether it be adults or friends or whatever. But moving up here was a huge transition. And I uh, I was, again, very nervous, high anxiety. But I kind of, I, I, I'm, what do you call it? I transitioned in pretty well. Uh, adapted. Adapted yeah. pretty well, yeah. Uh, what is it? Um assimilated assimilated that's assimilated. the word i was looking for actually yes. yeah it, it yeah. took a little bit um because like i said i felt like i was an oddball out i felt like you know i'm just this some hick from kentucky that moved up here and mm. i have this hickus ac- accent that no one likes and blah blah but turns out everybody likes it so well that's at least what they told you anyways <laughs> that's what they tell me anyways yeah yeah <laughs> right, so, right. But, yeah. uh how long have you been uh uh since since 2014 so I moved here in May okay. of 2014. So I've been here for a hot minute, and I, I like it. Yeah. You know, the winters right. the winters can be a little cold at times, you know, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would take these summers over Kentucky summer any any day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When were you first diagnosed with Minnesotan? <laughs> what, do, what do you mean, diagnosed? <laughs> diagnosed with Minnesotan. Uh, you can only know if you're from here, Jake. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think... The first time I was diagnosed in Minnesota, <laughs> I was actually pro- analyzing it. Well, probably like that a real question. Probably when I experienced your first freaking cold winters when that, it was like negative forty. That would 40. be a good answer to that if that's, that was a real question. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably when yeah, I. Yeah. That's when I first realized, like, holy crap, they really mean when it's cold. It's cold. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it can get cold because <laughs> Kentucky, you're you're looking at all winter long, twenty, thirty degree weather. Sometimes we get down the teens and lower digits at night, but for the most part, you're looking at. 30 degree to 45 degree days in winter for the most part. Mm. We have our days, obviously, but yeah, on average, not like it is here. Yeah. Um, Taylor, you got your mantra? 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, we, yeah cut, we cut you off in the middle of whatever you were saying, but that's okay. I can I can oh. answer your question still. So, um, I it, everyone has a certain feeling when they do something they love, and mm. I get that feeling when I am doing vocals, when I am backpacking, or those those are pretty much two places I get this specific feeling. Oh, riding a motorcycle. Yeah, I get that feeling. Uh, riding a motorcycle <laughs> right. at like. Well over the speed limit, hundred miles an hour. <laughs> you get a certain. I I sent I sent this thing to to Emily. Well, I didn't send it to her. I showed her in person. But there's like this cheesy. I don't even know who's saying it, but it's like the seven thousand RPMs. Have you heard that? Mm-mm. Oh, it's like there's a moment at seven thousand RPMs. Anyways, it's, it's cringy. Um, oh. <laughs> anyways, so like there's a moment when I'm backpacking, when I'm riding a motorcycle, when I'm doing yeah. those things, and I get this feeling, and I always just think back, like I put myself back in where I was mm. in at those times, and then. That'll recenter myself, kind of. So, yeah, no, I mm-hmm. can see it. Do something you love. Yeah, that's why, like I said, I do stuff that I love too, and it kind of brings me back to, you know, the. Well, real I don't even world. have to do it though. I'm like actually just like close my eyes, pretend like I'm there again, like I remember how that feeling felt to recenter myself, and uh, it's actually kind of sucks for motorcycles though, because when you don't have one at the moment, then you just want to <laughs> go and buy one. So. <laughs> <laughs> so now Emily um, knows what's long... going on every time I talk about motorcycles. I'm just trying to recenter myself. Okay. um hopefully emily can use that um in moments when perhaps uh she's noticing some some untetheredness and be like why don't you go uh remember how that 7000 rpms feels for a minute (laughs) 7000 although it's actually on the bikes that i ride more like 16,000. but you know oh because bikes are different than (laughs) yeah Yeah. we're not gonna get talk about ourselves we did that last episode (laughs) oh okay Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were gonna ask something, I think. <laughs> what was I gonna ask? Nope, I, don't um, I don't know. I can't remember. I mean, I have. I a, mean, I think I was gonna. Oh, go ahead. I was. I have a question to ask you, unless you have something you want to say. Oh no, go ahead. I was gonna ask. Um, so, in your job field, like you explained earlier, what's some of the challenges you face whenever you're doing that in a school environment? Because kids can be nasty. I mean, kids mm-hmm. can be really brutal. We've all been in mm-hmm. high school once. I mean, you know, people say bullying isn't a thing, but there's always some sort of bullying, whether it's physical or whether it's uh, emotional, mm-hmm. mental abuse, you know, mm-hmm. it all, mm-hmm. it all, it's all the same. So like what's some of the hardest challenges that you face when it comes to like trying to assimilate all these different cultures and people with backgrounds and try to get mm-hmm. them to work together in a good school environment peacefully mm-hmm. and also very in a learning environment? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, well that's a big question. Uh, I know it's, <laughs> it's, time, it's a big how one. How much time do we have? Well, you could just yeah. kind of sum it up a little bit, like no. some of the hardest. Yeah, challenges. yeah, totally. just sum up all the world's problems in five minutes, please. <laughs> sure. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> I mean, I do think, <laughs> I do think that um, a lot of the world's problems um, have to do with this, like everyone's sort of like innate, like deep, the, the human longing that we all have somewhere within us for the most part to be seen and to be heard and to be valued for who we are do you, right like do you think like, i'm gonna cut you off sorry but do you think it's like self-entitlement you think especially with the new generation coming up because i know there's different generations and how they're raised and brought up and i know you see yeah. a lot of stuff where kids think they're self-entitled well, not just kids but like young adults think they're self-entitled to everything like give me yeah. give me give me but they don't want to work for it you think that's a kind of a big thing too or uh, well, so he, this this feels like a different question, and yeah, and in terms is. of like yeah. generational, like well, and this I think comes back to my initial um, topic of parenting in general, where mm. like like 
we all like the world does these like what I um what I'm noticing more and more of anyway, or at least I'm trying to put language to these, these like pendulum swings, right? Where where we had like um there was like the generation of very hands-off parenting. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever watched like Mad Men or whatever, right? But like if you look at like parenting in the like 50s and 60s it was very hands-off like kids just like went and did their thing and then came back like no affection Um, no nothing no nothing just wake up do your thing come home that's it isn't that a turnkey are you talking about turnkey kids yeah or latch is that what's called latchkey latchkey turnkey something something like that (laughs) something with key in it yeah (laughs) um (laughs) um and then and then i feel like you know from like the time that well and i don't know i don't want to like assume how old you are but i um, i grew up in the like 80s and 90s um please, please do assume so, how old i am actually that's a fun segment what i said please do assume how old i am that's a fun segment oh okay <laughs> how old do you think i am just judging based off how i look don't you should know actually didn't we tell our ages in that thing we did yeah, um, yeah there's no way you remember you do too I, many of those yeah, yeah. I feel like I, <laughs> I, I'm. I'm guessing my. I am. Um, I am older than both of you. Yeah. But I don't want to assume how how much older. Oh, but, we're. I mean, I'll uh, tell you right now. I'm 28. So. Okay. Okay. Sure. So, you, would you would you be what what gen what gen Z? Uh, gen, is, yeah. is it millennial? Uh, I was born in '94. Millennials. So is what millennial? is is that millennial? What is that? That's what it's called, right? Yeah. Millennial. Yeah. Millennial. Millennials. Yeah. 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 So, and what the difference between a millennial being raised in Kentucky and a millennial being raised in the Midwest, right? Uh, or like no- Northern, uh, you know, where, where, where we are, um, is it would be an interesting case study to do, but all that, that to would, say, that I think be. that like, so, um, I, my experience of like parenting is that, uh, I, it was like a combo, right? Like my parents and I grew up in a very small town in North Dakota. So I understand that small town sort of like, um, experience. And, um, and so there, there wasn't, um, my parents were present, but they weren't always present. And then I feel like it totally, like, as I was becoming a parent, it was this, like, like all of the parenting books, you have to read all of the parenting books and know exactly like, like how, all of this and be constantly involved in all of their things and all of that. And, um, and that I think um, perhaps has done a disservice to some people because they didn't work as hard or they didn't write, like they didn't have to fend for themselves in the same way because their parents sort of felt, I don't know, um, socialized or, uh, or um, encultured into being much more hands-on than parenting had been in the past. Um, and now I think perhaps we're moving again to another direction where it's like, um, we, we turned out okay. Our children were, will turn out okay. And it may or may not have as much to do with our, our, with parenting as we thought, because there is a self in us that is like seeking to understand and navigate the world through our personality and our gifts and our, our strengths and our weaknesses so and all it's that. Like so it's like the parents are there to raise the child, but the child is supposed to like find themselves on their own. So the parents are and like... Most people do, in my opinion. But. Yeah, parents are supposed to like help... Because nobody... Like, I feel like... And I'm not a parent. I want to be, but just not yet. But I feel like being a parent, you shouldn't expect your kids to be just like you. The whole point of being a parent is like teaching your kids what you didn't get taught or what you feel is right and then mm-hmm. have them grow up to be better than you. That's what I, I, I don't, I don't know because I don't have kids, but I feel like that's, that's what every parent strives to be. 
you, you don't want to have a kid just like you, like, you know, because then they're not finding their own self. They're not finding their own path. They're not finding who they are individually. And right. so that's probably what, probably what you're talking about. Like, you know, they, you can be a parent all you want, but in reality, you can't make them be what you want them to be. They have to kind of grow up and figure it out for themselves. And you just have to sit back and be proud of them. You just have to. This is the terrifying uh, part we, that I was Can we pause about. for like two seconds? We'll, we'll yeah. cut it and stuff. But Emily, if you're going to keep writing notes on the sideline, why aren't you just on the podcast? <laughs> I asked if you wanted to be on the podcast. You said no. Okay, but she said she didn't know you were going to be so interesting. We need to have another podcast with you on. We need to have another podcast with you on. Um, what did you write though? I mean, is... okay, we can cut it back in. But she she said just don't make the trauma too traumatic what she said to oh, what he was saying right yeah yes oh yeah exactly and, and that's my understanding too is like well even i mean it you should not definitely should not do that but even if you do my my worldview is that most people if like close to all people are actually just good people like even if you mm-hmm. do shitty things you're like a good person most people are good mm-hmm. people so most of us will turn out fine <laughs> most right there's always a few bad Which... apples in the bunch but there are more that's good that. people than bad people, so we got that figured this out. Is true. Yeah. Oh, whatever, Emily, get out of here. <laughs> We're all good people. Yeah, but anyways, that's right? that would be my out take on parenting. Is even if you're a bad parent, chances of your child coming out somewhat all right, probably mm-hmm. high, because you figure mm-hmm. shit out when you become an adult. You figure stuff out, and, and I you tell become you, your own person. The and, ages yeah. between eighteen and twenty-five, I promise you, is like that's like where you do most of your growing up. That's where you do most of your crime. Mm-hmm. And I, well, I, <laughs> I, 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 like when I went to therapy for a little bit, I heard that my therapist told me that ages 18 through 25 is very crucial in every young adult development because that's mm-hmm. where you're, that's where like, well, it's that's, really the prefrontal cortex is really coming together at that point. I that's what she was saying. Yeah. Brain science, but that's like prefrontal cortex isn't isn't fully developed until you're between eighteen and twenty five, and so all of those like stupid decisions you make that's like we kind of joke at work where it's like it's because your prefrontal cortex isn't quite yeah. there so yet. I, I feel like you can raise your kid all you want, but when they hit eighteen to twenty five, they're gonna do whatever they want and they're gonna learn on their own, and that's just part of life, you know. Mm-hmm. And you learn a lot. Like, you think you learn a lot when you're a kid, you know, a teenager in high school. No, it's nothing compared to what you are when you're mm-hmm. out of high school and everything. To me, anyways, I've, I'm a totally different person than when I, even like, even two years ago, I'm a different person, I feel like. Like, I'm still right? changing, you know? Like, I mean, I'm still me, but a lot of my viewpoints on things have changed drastically over the course of mm-hmm. not only two years, but six, seven years, even, mm-hmm. you know? All right, let's not get canceled again. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> Um, um well yeah. which brings me back to the the original question in terms of like how do we do like what uh in classrooms where when yeah. kids are mean um or um or unkind or bullies yeah. trying um, to get them to like understand each other to make them come into a environment right well and this is where i think um i think it comes back to this idea and and this is part of what the work is that we do is recognizing like um like what might be happening in that child's life that's causing the behaviors, right? So so we talk often about like, there's always a purpose behind a behavior. So you, if you think of your own behaviors, right? Like what what 
what you do, why you do what you do. What is the purpose behind each of your behaviors? And sometimes it's hard for us to identify, like, right, like having, um, making jokes is a behavior. Why, why do, why do we make jokes, right? Like why, why is that behavior something that um, some people tend to do or need more than others or whatever? Um, and so really coming, honing in on that purpose. And so when kids are being mean in school or when kids are doing that, when they're like sort of like powering over, right? Like there's a purpose. And so what's happening for that child and maybe there's something happening at home and maybe there's something happening internally and we don't know, right? Like we can't know everyone's full story all the time. Sometimes they don't even know their full story all the time, yeah, right? Yeah, like, and, really and I don't know my full story all the time of what's happening in me. But I, I know, like, if I don't feel like I can show up as my full self, like that, I often will behave from a place of fear, right? Like, I'll be scared um, because I'll be scared that somebody will like see something in me that they don't like, or and I'm a total people pleaser to a, to a detriment. I'm yeah. really working on it. This mm -hmm. is my lifelong work. Um, and, uh, and so if I enter into a space and I'm worried that somebody won't like me or that I might say or do something that might disappoint someone or whatever, like I'm afraid <laughs> and I like, there are certain behaviors of fear. So how do we create a classroom where, um, where we're noticing those behaviors of fear so that kids, um, so that we can help relieve that fear and help them feel safe for, to show up as all of who they are. Yeah. To, right? Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then, and so then there are all of these other like behaviors, like when, when kids feel like they're not being treated fairly. And again, maybe a kid feels like they're not being treated fairly at home because they have like a, a home life that just isn't, um, isn't nurturing, isn't they don't feel guided, they don't feel protected for whatever reason, right? Like we know that happens all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and so then they get to school um, and they, they're like, well, here, I can write like here, maybe things will be fair for me. And then something happens that feels unfair um, and they re react, right? Like from a place of unfairness. And we know, we know what it feels like for something to feel. I mean, I have, you know, my eight year old is often reminding us all of what's fair and not fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They have a very clear sense of that. Um, if they don't have meaningful relationships, right? And oftentimes kids who are who have some of the most challenging behaviors is because they're not they don't have good meaningful relationships either with other adults or with other kids in their classroom. And when you feel isolated, like when you're isolated and you don't think anyone cares about you anyway, you certainly behave a different way, right? Um, and so anyway, that's like again, an overview of yeah. all of the like um all of the elements we're trying to help help the, the educators in the room see so that they can start to bring that sense of like, um, how do we, how do we create spaces where you can feel like you where, where you're able to show up as all of who you are. And when somebody does something that mean, someone is there to get your back and support you and um, help you resolve that conflict in a meaningful way, so that you don't just keep like, you don't isolate yourself for fear of being treated that way again. So it's complicated and it's long work, but it does feel like it's so meaningful because God, we need, we need more classrooms where kids feel like they belong so that we don't especially, have more classrooms. Especially now, um, like, exactly. you know, I don't want to, I don't want to like revert to this, but I mean, it's sad, but school shootings and all exactly. this stuff is going on. Exactly. 
it's from people getting bullied or cyberbullying. Right? I don't know if you had the same opinion or not as me. It's just a dangerous topic to bring up around yeah. me because I might make a joke on it, which was yeah. going to go back to what you yeah, said. Yeah, I, I know, but <laughs> I'm saying like it. But do you ever feel like whenever you do these, um, uh, like when you're trying to assimilate kids together, do you ever feel like it's like a losing battle? And what I mean by yeah. that is like because you could do all you want in the classroom, but you only have kids yeah. eight hours a day. The real trick. Why do you go to school for eight, eight hours a day? Seven, eight hours, whatever it is. But the real battle oh, is when they go is when they go home and then they have their home life. Yeah. That's the real battle. But you can't go home with the kids and try to teach the parents to, because like home life, I think is a big part of it. So yeah, that must be hard because well, you can do what you want in the classroom and you can try yeah. your hardest and it may help them, but then they're going to go home and then it's, you know, do you ever feel like it's well, a losing battle? Part of it too is, and I think like um, the the word assimilate is interesting to me because because it's a, like like if you think of assimilation as changing who you are to fit in with your classroom, right? Like then then that doesn't do any good at home. So is that like the wrong word like, to use then, or did I use that correctly? Or well, correct me, I mean, uh, correct I, me I if think, I didn't. It's fine, you know. Yeah, no, it's assimilate. That's exactly what actually happens often, right? Like, like what you you letting go of your accent to try to feel more um, more belonging here um, (laughs) is you assimilating to the way we talk here. Yes, and but that is um, that was a choice you made, right? Like, and as as an adult, you you get to make that choice. But wouldn't it have been wonderful if you didn't feel like you had to do that? No, yeah, you're right because you feel like because you want to be you want to be accepted by who you are, not just before. exactly. And and it does exactly. make it does. I mean, that obviously makes sense. But I still did it. I still do it. It's just a habit now. Right. But of course, I mean, I'll say it. A, I'll say it a million times. But that's the reason I do this podcast is because mm. I want to hear how people really are, who they really are, like mm. their individualism. I don't care about, you know, you're from Minnesota. I, I love being like Midwestern and having all these funny stereotypes for being Midwestern. But I want to hear <laughs> who you are as as an individual, not who you are mm-hmm. as where you're from or what you've came from. Yeah, you can't put labels on you people know, because, so. oh, he, well, he's from the South. He must be racist. He must but I do be... love hot dish. Like, oh, he's from the south because, like, people because, like, see, that's what I was afraid of. Like, because coming up here, you know, people you could say don't judge a book by its color, but everybody judges everybody. We've all done it. I mean, I I know I've judged people. I'm sure you've judged people. I mean, I'm every, sure every you've judged people too at one point. You know, never, Mm-mm, no. Every, She's perfect. And, yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe not in your line of work, but I'm saying like, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm totally, okay Cause totally, um, I was going to yeah. say, I feel like everybody has judged somebody, whether it be someone on TV or someone you see on the street. So like, I feel like the South gets a bad rep for racism, for a lot of bad moral values. And there, there is some, like even in where I grew up, it's sad to say in 2000, like, you know, well, I was in high school. So 2010, 11, 12 around when I was in high school, it's sad to say that there is still some, some racism stuff and I know I don't want to go too far into it, but there was a scare at one point in my local community where there was, I don't know if I should say this or not, but like KKK recruitment letters that were going in because the County I lived in was very, it was very like 98%, you know, white and only very, the minorities, you can guess the minorities were very, you know, very low. So they put in these specific houses, it was KKK recruiting. I don't know if it was a joke or if it really was. But so like when I moved up here. Even as a joke, it's kind of a shitty one. It's still bad. But and I feel like because when I came up here, that was another big part. I didn't want people to 
put a label on me and assume, mm-hmm. oh, he's got this hiccup accident. He's probably hella racist, you know? Yeah. You got to wait for you to prove mm-hmm. him right. Yeah, I know. And I shouldn't, and like that was part of, <laughs> that was part of me trying to like put on a Northern accent because I didn't want to, people assume that I am and I don't want, right. and I didn't want them to think. And obviously another reason was I was very nervous and I don't want people to like label me as a Southern hick. So I was trying to fit in. But, see, that's really shitty because I like Southern accents. I know. I might have been better friends with you even at the start. <laughs> but see, but you had a But in, in reality, everyone tells you to be who you are, mm-hmm. you know. And I should have listened. I should have done that because people who really know me would know that I'm not like that. I was raised in a very good, inclusive household. Even being raised in the South is very inclusive household, which I'm very thankful for. Because there is mm-hmm. still some people. There are some kids, even and it's scary to think, but there are still kids. 2010, 11, 12, there were 17, 18 years old that they were racist. Like, I mean, they, they did some stuff at school that was very, and yeah, still are. And it's 2022, you know, like that stuff should be left behind, but it's just those old people values, especially down in the South. It's very, it's not a proud thing to say, but it's there and it's very, it's not very good. Yeah. No, that's, um, yeah, that's why we need more cultures of belonging <laughs> and, yeah. and to like have conversations about hard things, um, like racism and how it still happens. Um, it's still, and I, even up here, like, like, okay, just of off the tra- off trains real quick. I went to subway for my lunch. It's off the rails. Off the rails, off the train, whatever. <laughs> I went, I went I to, mix su- metaphors. I'll check. I went yeah. to subway for lunch today at work. This just happened today and I was waiting in line and there was, um, I would say probably fifties, you know, year old guy in front of me. And, um, I was just sitting there chilling, you know, in line. And I noticed, you know, behind the counter, a uh, subway, they had, uh, it was a Somalian employee. I didn't think anything of it. I don't care. Whatever. He looked back at me and he, I swear he looked back at me and he's like, looks like they got a new employee. And he like rolled his eyes. I'm like, dude, <laughs> wow. like, you don't got to say that. Like, and, that, and this yeah. is this is in Minnesota. This is up here. I mean, like in Minnesota, you know, in this area. What, what if? What if? Hold on now. And I'm not excusing uh-huh. that because I believe that he's probably just racist. But what if that guy just goes to that subway all the time and he had a really bad time because it's busy and there's only one person and then they hired that person. So he's like, finally, they got a fucking person. In no, here. he rolled his eyes when he <laughs> said it. So <laughs> yeah. it wasn't like a joke. It was like yeah. he looked at me and he's like. Like, like they got a new person, yeah. And I kind of made like a like a, like a scoff noise, like ugh, you know, like a little scoff, you know, that kind of noise. And it's yeah, it's like, dude, there's no, what, there's no need for that. Like, yeah, there's no, that makes. And no so sense. what is? And that's like, I think that that's our that's our role. Then that's what we can do for those of us who notice things like that. We can like we can even in that moment say, um, like have a response that's like I, I hope they feel like they belong I did you know what I told him I imagine you know what I told him I, I looked at him I'm like I'm like yeah and I go and she looks like she's doing a very good job <laughs> because uh, like see? because there were swamped there was there was three people there like working behind the counter but there was two cars in a drive through and at least two people in front of me and one person behind me so they're all really she had like two sandwiches in front of her and she was making them all like really good and he's like I got a new employee and I, and I looked at her I'm like yeah and she's doing a very good job too <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, go. right? So how can we, like, respond every time? Because chances are now, like, he he made an assumption about you that would agree with his stereotype, right? Like, yeah. Like, with whatever he was he was. I guess and he then, was hoping I would get, like, a, you know, a comment back at him. I don't know. But like, that's what I'm saying. Even up in this area, yeah. we're not in the South, yeah. and it's still, I wouldn't call that oh, racist. Sure. I wouldn't call it racist, but I mean, like, stereotypical or very prejudiced. Of course, which is. 
which is the you know it's it's a pathway to racism for sure yeah stereotypes yeah um i don't know uh if you think i'm gonna ask your opinion on this but i'm not the type of person who would say something like the the good the good answer or whatever whatever solution you gave um because of the personality type i am so i probably Mm -hmm. would have just made a joke insulting that guy yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know if that's think, even bad. I think uh, that's probably worse because you're still <laughs> insulting somebody. I mean, try, I try not the to. Worst thing, I think the worst thing is to not say anything. Is to stay stay oh, silent, right? Yeah, probably. Um, yeah. because silence silence feels like, especially for the people saying comments like that, silence feels like affirmation, mm-hmm. right? If yep. you don't if you don't have any response, it feels like affirmation. So if you make a joke, and hopefully your joke would make that person feel stupid, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I try to be witty. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> it's just, yeah. there's well, just no and, need for stuff And either like way, it's acknowledging that there was likely something harmful said or done because, um, because you noticed it. And so, yeah, which... Which again, if we if we can start to do that for children at very young ages, if we can start to interrupt those sorts of the ways that kids talk about each other or talk to each other or anything like that, like um, it just it's like the hope for a, a better future, at, at least in this in a small way. Because anyway. that guy probably didn't think anything of it. That's probably how he talks in general to everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like it's probably the norm mm-hmm. for him to say something like that, but. Until you said something, and yeah, now, and may, maybe, my guess is that maybe he may like you know change his mind or whatever, but or at least think about it. And you know, oftentimes minds don't change in one conversation. That requires um, more, but but you have to start somewhere. Yeah. So. I feel like we're coming up on time. It's oh, and I and I have to squeeze a little segment in. So, but it please, is related. Please. It is related to what we're talking about. If right. I share my screen right. on here, is it going to work? Oh, I might need to give you permission. Let me. Oh yeah, host disabled permission. Yeah, because I want to get your take on how you think this. I don't even know what. I just want to get your take on this guy, <laughs> who I hope to have on this podcast at some point. Oh, good luck with that. That'd be kind of right. cool. Though. I've been reaching out to him. Now, okay. You are the host now, officially. <laughs> you are the host. Oh, perfect. Um, if I do this that, one, that will it... be funnier. Yeah, that one should should work, right? <laughs> Okay. So Have you heard of this guy? Can you see my screen? Andrew Tate. Have you heard of him before? I have not. Well, I hope to get him on our podcast. I'm not going to explain. It's way too deep of a hole to get into, so there's no way I could okay. explain, you know, who he is. But you'll get it from these two clips I'm going to show you. So. Okay, great. And hopefully you can hear it. If you can't, let me know early on so we can fix it. But Water I drink is sparkling water. The sparkling water is for rich people. And I'll tell you why. You can get non-carbonated water still water from the fucking tap the government gives you that shit effectively for free sparkling water you have to buy so if you only drink sparkling water you only drink rich man's water i explained this to someone some bumba club and of course he replied with the typical but i don't like sparkling you don't like sparkling water you don't like water but the bubbles bubbles you scared of bubbles you little bitch doesn't taste of anything has bubbles in it. Oh, you're afraid of bubbles? What is wrong with you? This is another full. Okay, so there's there's the first one. <laughs> you want to comment on that before we move on to this other enlightening uh, clip? <laughs> very inspirational. Um, no, I uh, love it. Go ahead. Let's see okay. The other okay, one. and this one um, probably won't play the whole thing, but we'll see where I stop at. I'm at the guy's house. I've actually known him for a long time. I've known him since school. And we're sitting there chilling, 
And I was there for about six hours. He's like, yeah, it'd be nice one day. Anyway, I'm hungry. You want something to eat? I was like, no, I'm fine, bro. So he gets his ass up, full-grown man. Starts to cook himself something. Now, I know you amateurs. As an amateur, you think, what's the problem? You're at your friend's house making himself some food. But amateurs don't understand the world because amateurs do not analyze the world. As a professional, which is what I am, I was analyzing the actions of said individual, and I completely understood why he will remain poor for eternity. Oh well, he remained poor. You're sitting here telling me you're upset that you're broke, and you're going to spend time. And everybody knows the age-old adage: time is what money. Money. That's right. <laughs> time is money. You're going to spend time. This guy makes no sense. Preparing food. I just want to give some where he talks to his friend. Now, actually, think about this for a second. If you're broke, if you're not a millionaire, the last thing you should be doing with your time is cooking. <laughs> I can't think of a lower ROI. What am I supposed to do? Not eat? Than walking to the <laughs> Don't fridge. Don't listen to him. He gives out you some ingredients. Ooh, an onion. Well, let me get the onion. <laughs> I'm gonna start cooking. Fridge. That's stupid. Knife. Knife. What is he getting at? <laughs> You're broke! You're fucking poor! You can order, you can get rotisserie chicken for five bucks. Boom! Chicken, bang, eat, bang, back to work. You can. Anyways, so that's, uh, he's a treat, isn't he? Is he like yeah, a motivational yeah. speaker? How do I go back into this full screen now? I don't know how to do this. Um, what was the best part, anyways? I feel like there are some strong, um, some strong values there. I hope he's sad. Here, hold on. Emily wants me to keep playing the whole video. Oh, okay. She said I missed the best part. I, th I showed her this video oh, okay. once. I don't know how I missed it. Okay. Fucking do a million things. You can go for a run. You can get in shape. The time you spent cooking, if you dedicated to kickboxing, you could have got paid. Oh, he talks about women cooking. Yeah. Oh. You could fucking be a traveling piano man with the time you've wasted cutting fucking onions. If you're broke, there is zero reason why you should ever prepare me. If you're a multimillionaire and you're a boring one, not a fun one like me, like <laughs> oh my, a fun one like him, boring ones, and you have all the time in the world because you're rich and you want to cook. Sure, waste your time, right? But if you're not a multimillionaire, your time is extremely important as a man. That needs to be dedicated towards world conquest. There's no need to prepare food. You order some food. Which can be done very cheaply and very healthily. Your uh -huh. rotisserie chicken bag of salad, like four bucks. Back done. Or instruct a female to provide oh sustenance. Cook. Oh Get back my god. You have better things to do. Jesus. So I'm sitting there. Okay. Um, Emily, you want to come saying yeah. saying to the mic your response if I would say that to you one night? Yeah. You want to? If I was like, if I was like. What did he? How did he do it? <laughs> Woman, Woman, cook. I instruct you to make me a meal. <laughs> what would you do? Okay, she's speechless. She's speechless. Um, anyways, yeah, yeah, right. so so that's, I want to get your take on. Okay, I want to get take well, on. Here, let me let me ask. Oh, uh, you ask ask. Her, I'll ask yeah, Heather. Ask. Heather, if I told you to get in the kitchen and make me some food, snap my fingers and say, "Now, what would you say?" 
My hands are broke. Okay. Your hands aren't broke. They aren't broke. Oh, they aren't broke. <laughs> so you can so go I can like you myself. can go like Tate, and you can go. I'm grum onion. I'm Anyways, grum um, <laughs> so I want to get I want to get your opinion. I I really I legitimately have been reaching out to him to get him on. Um, because he seems like a fake persona just for clout, which yeah is a little bit mm-hmm. extended for that. But he is, from what I can tell, all in all, actually that person. So oh really? Oh, so really? he's yeah, not. I've done a deep dive. Like I've been listening to hours of his content to figure so out if it's not real a, or not. That's not a persona. So he's no. actually like that. He's oh, actually man, like that. that's gonna be a rough one if he gets on here. If you Google, if you Google <laughs> his name, like one of the first clips that pops up is like him as an MMA fighter beating the shit out of some lady. I don't know why they were, he was fighting a girl. I don't think that those are uh, mixed in MMA. So don't know why. <laughs> so this is my. Um, have you heard of birds aren't real? You know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, the conspiracy theory where birds are actually government uh-huh. cameras. That's not a uh-huh. conspiracy theory, by the way. Thank you. That's true. No. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Don't yes. tell. Yes. <laughs> um, don't give it away. Anyway, um, so this is what I, this is what I think you should do if you are able to get a hold of this person. Is um, you should watch some of the the interviews with the birds aren't real guy um, and then interview him from that perspective and see if you can get uh, um, you know like start to shift that mindset so you're saying the guy who actually started birds aren't real right mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. he, he can't because yeah. he obviously came out and said it was all fake like, right but yeah. before that mm-hmm. like the leading up to it where it was like how do you uh I mean, because uh, I, I can't like I'm I'm having a hard time. I don't know why birds aren't real came to mind, but but I'm thinking of this guy, and I'm like, if he is satire, if he is satire, then it would be funny to interview him as though you think he's making it up, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like somehow to interview him like he's making it up, so that it all seems re- absurd. Like, how do you get to the absurdity of what he's saying? Well, I can to the I can tell you how, he, but. <laughs> because I've d- I've deep dived into his content and I heard him give an interview to uh um probably paid by him uh like psychiatrist or therapist or something who agreed with everything he said but anyways he he told this backstory in there and he basically comes from a poor family and his dad was extremely um angry because they were poor mm. and um only yelled at him all the time about how he was never going to live up to his expectations and then eventually just ended up leaving their family because they weren't good enough is what his dad told him so I think that terrible yep there's my phone terrible at podcasting um and and so i think that his entire if it's real his entire reality is based off the fact that he's trying to please his father still even though his dad he he said is dead so and uh, his dad who left him he worships him like on his website and everything so um so there's his dad is dead his dad is dead but and and his dad left their family and everything and he still worships him like so this is the god i need to i don't i don't think he's satire i think that's actually him (laughs) well and then there was a second opinion i had about what he's actually doing i'm gonna say it now because there's not a chance that tate will listen to our what podcast if he calls so you out what doesn't if he calls matter you out? um but his his whole thing is he used to be an mma fighter and he was decent um but he wasn't good enough to make good money and mma fighters are treated mm. very terribly so he didn't make enough money and he obviously wanted to make money so he left that business and he tried to become an influencer with his with his clout from um mma fighting mm. and as an influencer, nobody liked him. And he has mm. some old videos of when he used to be an influencer and he was just giving financial advice or whatever. Nobody liked it. Mm. So what instead he did, in my opinion, is take some of his core beliefs, which may not be the best, but are, I mean, a lot of people hold them, and then just, mm-hmm. like, tap into them, 
wholeheartedly Mm -hmm. not care Mm -hmm. about what anybody thought and just dive into that character Mm -hmm. and never leave that character because now he Mm -hmm. sells courses on how to be the most manly you can be so i think that his whole i think his whole thing is that he tapped into that little bit of masculinity he had went all the way overboard as he could because when you're on one side of the spectrum Plenty of people. People will listen you. to you. It may be bad uh, clout, but it's still but clout. But he is still right, a multi-millionaire, potentially I know, millionaire. So, like, how much can you really hate on him? If he he's owns. He owns one of. It confirm owns one of the fifteen Bugatti Chirons in the world. So the expensive Bugattis. Those are expensive. There's only fifteen of them made. And he owns one of them, so he's definitely making wow. money off of that. So. Yeah. Um, but that's my thoughts on well, it. Well, good luck with that. Um, <laughs> I I look forward to listening to it because um, yeah. Mm-hmm. That'd be I, interesting if I, we get him on here. I, I mean, Very I've listened in depth to many re, uh, interviews he's done, and the way that he deflects is just, um, if if you're actually coming to him with logic, and he knows that it's logical, but he can't, like, just talk his way out of it with his crazy theories, mm-hmm. then he immediately mm-hmm. just shuts down, says you're boring, says you're a loser, that's the end of mm-hmm. the conversation. But some people don't, don't just shut down when somebody does that, so... Well, right. Yeah. And I think, like, the the... Most successful narcissists in our culture and in our world are are people who do that well, right? Mm-hmm. Where they they are literally able to create a world unto their own. And so the moment you start to like point at a crack in their world or in the absurdity of the world they've created, they have their their ways out um yep, or they, they just exclude you from their world put, because they put have the enough wall people up who are already then... in the world in their world that mm-hmm. they they don't need people outside of their world to be a part of mm-hmm. that um i do want to say um, when you brought up those deep core beliefs um and maybe we can end on this but this is something that i've been thinking about a lot recently is that um um our beliefs are just deeply held opinions and I'm wondering, I mean, again, Ooh. I don't know that we have time to talk about that, but but if you think of a belief, um, even some of your most meaningful beliefs, maybe about parenting, right? Maybe about self <laughs> um, are just deeply held, held opinions. What can that, how can that help us change the opinions of people who believe what might be harmful um, or is harmful for for the mm, world. That's that's so, a hard one. Anyway. That's a good to think on that. Mm. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you guys want to be on an episode, you can email youarethehostpod at gmail.com. In the subject line, you put submission if you'd like to be on an episode. If you want us to talk about something, you can put question or commentary in the subject line. If you are listening to this podcast on any of the podcast platforms, you can also find a video version of this podcast on YouTube. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye. Bye.